this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. Before we go forward, Friday's Bible study, there was so much that was so choppy that the Lord literally wanted me to come back and reiterate some things because it's so critical that we have the full insight of what he was intended to share with us and to make absolutely sure that you guys deal with what deals with you. And you guys begin to understand how God moves. And not only understand how God moves, understand how you move. And before I get into prayer, I just want to share something. A lot of times when we're looking for the move of God to go forward, we have anxiety. And we're trying to control the situation, and so we're constantly looking behind the scenes, looking around us, constantly checking up on God to see whether or not he's going to do what he needs to do. And many times we miss him. And the main reason why we miss God is because we don't know what God's doing. I love the fact that Moses seen this beautiful burning bush and he said to himself, I'm going to go and check it out to see what it is. And so he took the time to search things out, to really understand what he was looking at. And then when he got close enough to the bush, he realized that the bush wasn't truly being consumed by the fire. Not only that, but he heard his Lord's voice in the midst of the fire. And so, if you could really see it, Scripture says that to some extent that the bush was burning and God was in the midst of the burning bush. So if you really see it, it's a bush that's on fire and God's standing in the center of it. And he's having a full-on conversation with his Lord in regards to the things to come. He's not in that position to whereby he's questioning anything God's saying to after he gets commissioned. And that's where many of us live. When God's just talking to us, we're full-on engaged until we're commissioned. When we're commissioned, then we tend to back up and we tend to look at things from a different point. 
So I'll stop here, Father God, even right now as the word has been placed in my belly, I ask that the word begin to resonate on the inside of your people that they may understand the things that you are calling them into and not only calling them into, but calling them away from. Lord, even now, as I seek your presence to finalize this word that you gave me, that your people hearts may be open to understand the things that you are speaking directly to them this hour. I pray that your perfect and divine will go forward and all that you are calling forth for each one of them to walk in, that they may receive it in Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen. amen. So as we were, you guys, I am so sorry. I cannot deal with this hot heat. It is, it's, oh, okay, because it's, it's, it's like killing me, okay? I can't even focus on the message. It's so hot. Can we open the door <laughs> or turn on the fan? Because I can't. It, it, I mean, it's really wrecking me. I'm trying my best to, like, stay in place, and my mind is saying, I'm burning up. Uh, Exodus 3. When you get my age, we have our own summer weather, and uh, this weather don't do good for me, okay? I do not like heat at all, okay? At all, okay? Because when heat, heat comes, it turns up everything on the inside of me, okay? So... <laughs> So Friday night as I was listening to the message, because I don't know if you guys got what I got. I don't know if you guys seen what I seen. I don't know if you guys understood the things that God was uh, speaking directly to us. Because a lot of times when you look at a commission and call some, somebody else, you say, oh, that's cute, that's nice, that's great. But then you stop and you really stop to really understand this particular message. It's not just him commissioning Moses, for his flight, he's commissioning you. Because anytime you're reading about somebody else's commission, you're reading about your own commission. And God is literally telling you in your commission what not to do. And if you're really paying attention to scripture, you see that what Moses is doing is just only opening you up to see yourself. And so as I begin to look at Moses' flight, the first thing that you can clearly see is Moses is being asked to do something. Number one, he sees this great event that's taking place, and he want to get close. And he really want to examine this tree. He want to know why this tree is not withering away because it's been burning for a long time. Moses is just like me to where I'm that individual. I want to come close enough and I want to touch it. I want to see if that fire is going to burn me. And so when you hear the Lord saying to Moses, don't come further. Don't come any closer. Because uh, Moses was totally, totally focused in on what he was looking at. And so the Lord is literally saying, don't come closer. Don't come closer. This is holy ground. Better yet, take your shoes off. 
And so as I was reading that, I could see myself being Moses. I need to see. I need to understand who's talking to me in this tree. Is this a real tree? Is this a, my imagination going forward that's causing me to think that there's something going on and there's really not going on, nothing going on? And so that's the first thing about this message that really lets me into the things that God's saying. He's literally bidding us to come closer to see. Come and see. Come and see. And then as Moses get closer, he introduced himself to Moses. But as he introduces himself to Moses, I hope you guys got your introduction. He introduces you to himself based on what he's calling you. In the Bible, it talked about many names. I am, he said, Yeshua, and a host of other names. What name is he calling you into your call? Because I think that's where some of you guys missed because he's calling Moses and he says, I am that I am. Well, that's the name that Mo Moses is walking under. But each one of us walk under a different name of Christ. Hmm. Because we're not commissioned the same way. We don't go forward the same way. We don't do the same things. And so we're called differently. And the Bible was giving clear understanding of these different commissions as they were coming forward. And what I love about uh, the Enduring Word, it gives you examples. This is the way this one was called. This way this one was called. This is the name this one was called into. Each one of them had a different name. And I literally had to stop and say, okay, Lord, where are you calling me into? So my name is Yahweh from right now. But then to understand and define that particular aspect of him is something that we all have to define. A lot of times when I look at Bradley, I hear I am that I am. So I know where he's coming from when God's speaking through him. But it's for us to understand what God's trying to get us to a place of understanding. We walk through scriptures, but a lot of times as we're walking through scriptures, we're missing what God is really saying. Sit a minute. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and I think that's where we got to get to. So I'm going to walk through some of this with the hopes that you guys hear what God is trying to get you because I want to point out a few things that are so critical and so important to your flight. Billy. Oops. Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, 
the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Let me stop you right here. How did God call you? Call you. Because when I look at this, I'm hearing how God is speaking directly to me. He didn't come in a bush, a flaming bush. But he was in the passenger seat of my car. And he began to speak to me from a passenger seat of my vehicle. And when I heard his voice, I was floored because I was like, oh my God, you're real and you can speak. His word, first words to me was, I love you. And I knew I would never say to myself, I love you. So I knew that it was he that was speaking to me. And at that particular time, he called me his mouthpiece. And he told me that he was going to pour out his word upon me. And that I would speak his word to many. I stopped. Because I knew it was him and it wasn't me because he's the only one that could have said, I'm your mouthpiece. Because I would never say, ooh, mouthpiece? <coughs> and so when you stop to look at something and when you're looking to understand scripture, stop and pay attention to how he's moving on the inside of you because if you take the time to stop, then you take the time to be elevated. The problem is we just rush over it and we're never elevated in our flight. Because if you can really hear what he's saying to Moses, then you can hear your commission again. His goal is to recommission you today, to get you to a place to you embrace that commission on the inside of you by walking through a commission of someone else. You may not have a burning bush, but you definitely had the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Amen. And in that place where he was speaking to you, as you hear these words, recall what he said to you. You're here for a reason because you answered a call. And now you're walking through a reminder of that commission again. And when you're reminded, you're recommissioned, and this time you go further. That doesn't mean you're not going to be recommissioned again in your life. It works that when you slow down, he recommissions you. So you need to be re-encouraged. So listen to the commission. Let's go further. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. 
For 40 years, Moses lived as an obscure shepherd in the desert of Midian. At this point, his life was so humble that he didn't even have a flock of sheep to call his own. The sheep belonged to his father-in-law, tending the flock. The and, and I want to stop because when you sit back and you say his life was so humble that he didn't have anything that truly he called his own. And some of us are in that particular place where everything in your house or in you have been shipwrecked. There's nothing, nothing that you can truly say is mine. If you're paying a car note, it's not your vehicle, okay? If you're paying a mortgage, it's not your vehicle. I mean, your home, okay? So I want to make sure that you begin to see, and even sometimes you may be sleeping on somebody's couch, okay? And, and that's where you're at. But whatever it is, you're looking in this particular place. God sees you as humble in him. You got to stop to look at this. You got to stop to pay attention. You got to stop to hear truly what the spirit of the Lord is saying to you. A lot of times we're rushing through words, but we want to slow down so that we get the gist and really understand where you're at. The Holy Spirit is in this room right now, and he's looking to recommission each one of you to go forward in the things he's called you to do. And so he's using Moses as an example so that you can get to the place that you're going. Tending the flock, the Hebrew suggests that this was his habitual occupation. So, so in this, I want to make sure, because sometimes we don't think we got that ideal job yet. But where you're at is your occupation. That's what God is literally saying. And this is what you are. It is not your commission. It is an occupation. Your commission is much greater than your occupation. Hopefully you guys get that. And in your occupation, a lot of times you're commissioned to do work. And a lot of times in our occupation, we don't see ourselves as qualified to take on our commission. But you are qualified to not only take on the commission, but your occupation will serve your commission. Hopefully you guys got that. So you say, ah, oh, why do I have this? Why do I have a voice? Why are they looking to me? Why are they pulling on me? Because you are commission to stand in this place in your occupation makes more sense and so if you're commissioned to do something that means the grace is going to be there to cover you so when your job says oh gosh you cannot speak on the behalf of God because you're commissioned to do it God's going to make room so that you don't get in trouble because that's your commission and he's going to put it to whereby not only is it that you don't get in trouble, but you will be able to speak to those who are in need of truth. Let's go a little bit further. The back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses brought the sheep to this mountain, also later called Mount Sinai. Horeb probably means desert or desolation, and the name gives, gives an idea of the terrain, terrain. The bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. 
it wasn't just that Moses saw a bush burning. Apparently, it is not uncommon for a plant like this to spontaneously ignite out in that desert. Nevertheless, two things were distinctive about that bush. The ain't but what I love about this, because this speaks to me from a whole different point. So as I'm leaning to the Holy Spirit, I see a bush burning. But I also see God in the midst of disaster, but yet he's not consumed. I see God in the midst of calling me to a calling where there is disaster in people's life, but they're not going to be consumed. And so as I embrace him, I'm coming into that place where he is. I, as in flesh, is being consumed by the fire, but yet he's not. So as I embrace the call upon my life, I am being consumed by his fire. Hopefully you guys got it. Because if you slow down, you're taking on every aspect of God. And you're saying, burn in me everything that you cannot use. So you're slowing down. So as Moses is taking in that, Moses is really being transformed and changed by what he's seeing. How can this be consuming? God is also consuming but loving. How could this be? So he's staring and he's focusing in on this, but he's being so caught up in it that he's being transformed and changed. So as the spirit begins to flow through you, you should be so caught up in the spirit that you're transformed and changed. How do we see that to be when... Uh, Saul was called, okay? And Saul was a natural man, hoobalum type dude walking down the street and God called him, okay? But when the spirit hit him, everything in him changed. So when you go back and look how you were called, everything about you changed then. It doesn't mean that you stop changing. Everything about you changed when you said, yes, Lord. And so that's where you're at. And the Lord says, I need you to breathe and take that in. Think about when you said yes and what your yes looked like. And a lot of us said yes at a very young age. And that yes was truly, Lord, I could do this. He says, I'm igniting the flame again in you. Let's go a little bit further to look at this. <coughs> the angel of the Lord appeared from the midst of the bush. Though the bush burned, the bush was not consumed. Though the bush burned with fire, it did not crackle or diminish. No leaf curled and no branch charred. It burned but was not consumed. Meyer. The bush burning but not being consumed was a magnetic sight to Moses. It drew him in for a closer examination. 
Some think the burning bush to be a symbol of Israel or the people of God more generally. Afflicted but not destroyed, because God is in the midst of them. Yet we can also say that the burning bush was a picture of the cross. The we're Hebrew. Gonna skip all the, we're going to skip all of this because I need to get you to another. To where? Right here. I will now turn aside to see this great sight. Whatever exactly Moses saw, it was nothing normal. To explain what happened here as a temp temporary mirage of reflected sunlight on some red leaves or a campfire of some Bedouin or even the phenomenon of St. Elmo's fire is to substitute our experience for Moses' 40, 40, 40 years in that area and his estimate that it was indeed unusual. Clark on the on angel of the Lord. Not a created angel, certainly, but for he is called Jehovah, Exodus 3, 4, and has the most expressive attribute of the Godhead applied to him. Yet he is an angel, Malach, a messenger, in whom was the name of God, and who is this but Jesus, the leader, redeemer, and savior of all mankind. And so when I looked at this, I said, oh my God, God has so many makeups, so many forms, and how he reveals himself to us is different. And so you have to still stay clinging to what's being said here, because as you cling on what's being said here, you can truly begin to see how God is commissioning and speaking to you and how he has revealed himself to you. So let's go a little bit further. I'm going to have you pop up because I need some things out of this. Uh-huh. Two words. It is always an invitation. It is always an invitation. When he says who he is, it's always an invitation to enter into that space, which is a different realm, and to become what he's talking to you about. It's always an invitation. And each name represents a different facet of him. I want to make sure that you guys see that, so understanding what you're called into, because it's a different facet of him. And I mean, each one is awesome. But the problem is we want to rush through the doors. And, and there's no rush. You take your time and you find out truly who he is. You know how when we get into relationships, we, we want to be at the end state? Marriage, okay, let's get to the marriage. And, and you haven't even met the person. And, and, and as I was looking at things this morning, the Lord said they got these apps. And you go on this one or two dates or you talk on the phone and then two days later you decide, you know, whether or not you want to even have that person in life. And then he says, oh my God, look where society has brought us into. So you assess up front if I'm going to dismiss you. Look what society has brought us into. That I can look at you and take two looks at you and decide whether or not you are a good person or a bad person and dismiss you. And it takes a lifetime to know a person. Wow. It's crazy. So that's the way we do God. Lord, I'm going to check, check you out. 
And if you hold to your word, get it? Then I know you're real, but if you don't hold to your word, then I'm going to dismiss you. But we're holding him to his word from this side, not that side. When he gives us a word, if we enter into that side where the invitation is, we will see the fulfillment of it and the trust and the faith in it. And so we won't just hold on to it like, well, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Because we're not existing in that faith realm in which he's presenting it. Hopefully you guys got that. Jehovah literally means this one time he presented himself to me. And I, oh, that's why I always say, and I encourage you all when you're talking to him, who are you speaking to me? Identify you. I do it all the time, every day. He said, I'm the existing one. And I was like, what is that? I had to look it up. It means, the, it means literally Jehovah. And so he was presenting me a, a different perspective of reality itself. And that's what he was doing at that time with him. And so with this, not to go too far forward, but when he asked Moses to take off his sandals, it's like he has to travel into that land first, if that makes sense, go into his space. And you just can't come any old way. We talked about that. Verse 4, 6. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God didn't speak to Moses until he had Moses' attention. I need to stop here. Because many of you guys, when he calls you, you immediately start talking. But he don't have your attention. And many times you miss what God is saying because you really, really are not listening. You're just excited that you got called. And, 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 and if you can look at the excitement in you, you can remember in the old days when you all are getting ready to play games and you're waiting for somebody to pick you and nobody picks you and how you feel. So God now is picking you and you get excitement, excited because you're just being picked. It's something about being picked make you feel right. And, and if you recognize a little kid, if I picked them, if I went in there and went in that room and picked two kids and called them in here, they would be like, oh my God, she's gonna use me. They're so excited, but they don't know what they're gonna do. And so many of you guys are so excited, but you never get to hear what you're required to do because you're so caught up in the excitement. There's no intimate conversation with you because you are not in that position to hear. It's, it's just like at work, your boss says, I want you to, you, you, you to go. And, and all you hear is, you get to go somewhere. And you get excited that you're leaving because you don't have to stay in the normal day-to-day -day work because you can travel. But then when you get to understand what you got to do, you're like, I signed up for this. 
a lot of times we're not really <coughs> listening and God wants us to focus in and really hear what he's saying. So when he recommissions you, you got to understand what you're being recommissioned for. The burning bush. Oh, no. Uh, continue. Often God's word doesn't touch our heart the way that it might because we don't give it our attention. <laughs> Only when we're desperate, we give attention. Okay. Um, the burning bush was a spectacular phenomenon that captured Moses' attention. But it changed nothing until Moses received the word of God that came to him there. You guys got that one right? So it was spectacular. Sometimes what we hear is so spectacular, but it don't change nothing on the inside of us. A lot of us hear what God is saying to us, but it hasn't changed because it's still in that spectacular mode. Because you're not putting yourself in that receiving mode. I have a bad habit of not listening because I think I know answers. And because God shows me things ahead of time, already I've figured out what the person has said, and so I'm waiting on them to stop talking, and then sometimes I'm like, Lord, why do I gotta listen to all this? Why don't I just tell them what you just told me so that they could stop telling me all this other stuff that I don't need to hear in my spirit? Well, God says man calls that rude. So you have to listen. Because God reveals himself in different forms. Yeah. And, and because he doesn't build himself the same way. Right. You know, he's my redeemer. Okay? When I got health issues, I got stuff going on on the inside of me, that's my redeemer. Okay? I know he shows up as my redeemer. Okay? But there's many times that I may not be looking for my redeemer. Okay, but then understand what Elohim is to you. Yeah, because each one of us has a different aspect of himself that he presents. He doesn't present the same thing all the time, and I think we just see Jesus, but Jesus is more than just Jesus, like you more than just you. You know how somebody just put you in a box of one thing and then you say, but I'm much more than that. You said, no, you do this. And, and you're called to do something and you just look at, you do this. And then you said, but I could do this. But they keep putting you in a box. Doesn't that annoy you when you're being put in a box just to be seen as one? And so God literally is asking you not to do that to him. having a conversation with them. Yeah, I do. Even for Elohim, it's like, oh, I'm not sure what that is. We'll just like allow him to present why he is that to you in this moment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, everything he talks to you about will be in regarding to that. 
how do I deal with him? But now I'm, I'm coming to him, seeing him as father or, or in a specific sense, or a savior, or as redeemer, as pastor said. And so one of the things, and this is literally just from Bible study, because I realized I was doing this. And I was like, Father, how do I come to you where I'm not coming, saying like, okay, I'm coming to you, seeing you as this only. He said, just lay before me. Let me come to you and say who I am in this moment. And as I did that, all of a sudden, I am king now. I am Lord. Different things, different uh, Godheads will, will come forth. And you're like, oh wow, because then he speaks to you differently. That makes sense. Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense to all of you guys. Let's go a little bit further. God called him from the midst of the bush. Moses didn't see anyone in the burning bush, yet God, in the presence of the angel of the Lord, Exodus 3:2, was there, calling out to Moses from the midst of the burning bush. Undoubtedly, this is another occasion where Jesus appeared before his incarnation in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord, as he did many times. Genesis 16, 7 to 13, Judges 2, 1 to 5, Judges 6, 11 to 24, so on. Uh, we say this is God in the person of Jesus Christ because of God the Father. It is said, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared declare him, John 1, 18. And that no man has ever seen God in, per, in the person of the Father. So when I was looking at this, the Lord took me back to Genesis. And he made sure that I understood Genesis. And where he was in the form of creating all things. He made absolutely sure that, hey, if I'm going to decide who he is and how he shows up, I need to go back to the beginning of creation. And to understand the beginning of creation, it helps you to put things in its rightful order so that what he's called forth can come forth. Because our mind does a trick on us when we're called. I don't know if you guys have that because it's somewhere in another where your mind start overthinking, over-processing things and overanalyzing things, and we diminish God in his true form. Let's go a little bit further. Oh, oh my favorite, Genesis 1. Hmm? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, no, okay. Moses, Moses. Oops. God's first word to Moses called him by his name. This showed that even though Moses was now an obscure, forgotten shepherd on the backside of the desert, God knew who he was, and Moses was important to God. I want to stop you there because I even had to stop to hear God call me. And, and that's where you got to go back to remember, how did he call you? How did he get your attention? And what words did he use to basically pull you in? He may not have necessarily said your name, but he said something to you that drew you in. And in that place where he drew you in, he didn't push you out. We push ourselves out. 
but God really wants you to understand in that place that he has you. And when he called you the first time into that place, you're still in the place where he called. The double call, Moses, Moses, implied importance and urgency as when God called Abraham, Abraham, Genesis 22, 11, Samuel, Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, 10, Simon, Simon, 20, Luke 22, 31, Martha, Martha, Luke 10, 41, and Saul, Saul, Acts 9, 4. Then he said, God told Moses to do two things to show special honor to this place because of the immediate presence of God. He told Moses to keep a distance, to not draw near to this, uh, draw near this place. He commanded Moses to show reverence for God's presence. Take your sandals off your feet. And I really want you guys to get this because when I first encountered God, I was driving. And I got so excited that he said, pull over. <laughs> and in that excitement, I pulled over and I stopped. And I had to breathe and really understood. He knew that if the excitement that came over me, that I could have crashed because it was so overwhelming, so exciting to me, that he literally said, pull over. And I remember pulling over and he didn't say, Kathy, he said, my love. I'm sorry? He didn't say, Kathy, Kathy, he said, my love. <laughs> and I was like, my love? <laughs> you call me my love? <laughs> and, and some of you got that type of word. Because sometimes we're not receptive to our own names. And the reason why we're not receptive to our own name, because our own names, people have called us other names as a result of our name. And so you're receptive to love. And so he called me through the words of love. And that's where many of you were called into the kingdom through words of love. Amen. Let's go a little bit further. Do not draw near literally has the sense of stop coming closer. Moses was on his way for an up-close examination of the burning bush when God stopped him short. This was a holy place and because God is holy, there will, be, there will always be a distance between God and man. Even in perfection, man will never be equal to God, though we will be able to have closer fellowship with him than ever. Take your sandals off your feet. Removing the sandals showed an appropriate humility because the poorest and most needy have no shoes, and servants usually went barefoot. It also recognized the immediate presence of God. In many cultures, you take off your shoe when you come into someone's house. And now Moses was in God's house, a place of his immediate presence. As this soul must 
like in dust, gravel, and sand about the foot when traveling and render it uneasy, hence the custom of frequently washing the feet in those countries where these sandals were worn. Pulling off the shoes was therefore an emblem of laying aside the pollutions contracted by walking in the way of sin. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God revealed himself to Moses by declaring his relationship to the patriarchs. This reminded Moses that God is the God of the covenant, and his covenant with Israel was still valid and important. This wasn't a new God meeting Moses, but the same God that dealt with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God would reveal himself to Moses more intimately than he had to any of the patriarchs. Yet it all began with God reminding Moses of the bridge of covenant they met on. Some in the days of Moses might have thought that God neglected or forgot his covenant in the 400 years of Israel's slavery in Egypt since the time of the patriarchs. Nevertheless, God was at work during that time preserving and multiplying the nation. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. God told Moses to do what was appropriate for a creature before their creator, to revere and re recognize his holiness. Moses responded as a man who knew he was not only a creature, but also a sinful creature. He hid me, his face. Let me stop you right there. As I was reading this particular passage, and as I kept looking upon it, the word that kept standing out to me was covenant, 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 covenant. And each one of them had a covenant. And so in this particular place, I didn't just want to say, I'm under the covenant of Abraham. I'm under the covenant of Isaac. I'm under the covenant of Moses. Lord, what does my covenant in you look like? Because that was important for me to understand that God has made a covenant with me. You can see through scriptures that some people are fighting for that covenant. And what does that covenant that you have with him look like? That's something that you need to take back. And you need to begin to go before your Lord and really understand the covenant. And in that covenant, he tells you what he's going to do in you and how you are important to the kingdom. Many of us are operating in the kingdom, but we don't understand what we do for him. We've heard it through others, but in some sense, we haven't heard it for ourselves. And so many of us are standing still because we don't understand what our covenant is, what God has commissioned us to do for him. And so as I was looking at this particular word, I stopped and I said, Lord, I cannot go further. 
unless I fully understand my covenant with you. Yes, he spoke to me regarding my covenant. He even made sure, he said, my covenant is not only with you, but it's with your offsprings as well. So he made sure that I understood the covenant because I need to make sure that I have one. Hmm, never thought it's important. It's important. Let's go a little bit further. It's an agreement that you're making with Christ. It's agreement that he's making with you. And it's your protection. You must pay attention and ask for more understanding of what your covenant looks like. In his years in, in the wilderness of Midian, Moses must often remember how he murdered an Egyptian and how proud he was to think he could deliver Israel himself. Let me make sure I stop here because this one bully got me. Because... Moses got word ahead of time who he was to his family. So that means prophets, teachers, ministers, and everything, every time Moses was underneath his parents, he was spoken to. And it was ingrained in Moses that he was the deliverer of Israel. And some of you have words that's been ingrained in you, but you never took it back to understand your covenant in your Lord to understand why that was ingrained in you. It's like you hear certain words and you know it always brings you back to certain aspects of your life and you can see a shadow of the Lord in that. But you never stop to say, why well, keep coming back to here? How, did this How do I exist in you? What does this covenant really look like? How do I really understand what you're truly calling me into? And I've always said, if I'm just to sit here and to listen to a message in a church and that's all you called me to do, then I should truly die, Lord. Show me what my covenant is and what you have tasked me to do for your kingdom. That's why I needed to slow this down just a little bit more to bring you into greater understanding because I don't want you to miss the scripture. I don't want you to miss what he's saying here. Because when I got this, I sat and I was still and I was like, oh my goodness. Let's go a little bit further. Moses might have remembered a thousand sins, both real and imagined. Now, when God, God appeared, he responded in a way completely different than he might have 40 years before. God's commission to Moses, verse 7 to 10. God explains his general plan to Moses and Moses' place in the plan. In the plan. And the Lord has said, I have surely seen the, seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. 
So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good land, to good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Let me stop it right here. So, he's commissioned, but I want to take you back in the beginning. Moses couldn't receive this if Moses wasn't listening. Do you get it? We get overwhelmed just by the presence alone, and we stop listening. But God is giving him in detail what's going on. And that's where God is trying to move you into that relationship that you have a detailed understanding. Because when you understand, you're more willing and prone to go forward, right? But if you have lack of understanding, you're going to dot in and out. He says, say that again. When you have clear understanding of what you're tasked to do, you're more willing to do it. But the reason why many of you haven't been able to go forward is because you don't have complete understanding. You're still confused. And you're confused because you only have a snippet of it because you have not put yourself in a position to really listen and to hear what he's really commissioned you to do. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying to me to say to you guys, I need to know who I am. You need to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, you cannot fully do this job. You, call, you are called high priest, but I need to know as a high priest what I do. I don't just want to be called a name and not know what I do. And if I don't know what I do, how do I even get in alignment? How do I even go forward when I don't know what I do? And many of sit on the sideline waiting because we never really sought to understand our commission. It would be like you stepping back into life because you think you missed anything. But God is literally saying, this is what I've called you to do. And your time in the place where you've been is for my glory. So in your mind, I missed X amount of years. And the Lord said, no, you didn't need them. It's where you're at is where I want to carry you into the things in which I have called forth, son. And then we would say, well, I haven't looked and felt like a son. And the Lord says, you've always been mine. And he says, I need you to understand this and to understand that this is not what you're looking at. I have destined you to walk in the place that you walked. 
so that you can deliver those that are in need of refuge. We also were not qualified. But he is our qualification, and that's what you're going to hear in this message, is that Moses doesn't deem to be qualified, but God qualified him. Because he understood what he's tasked to do. Remember, his parents is telling them, you're going to deliver Israel. You're going to deliver Israel. And then finally he thought he was going to deliver Israel his way. He killed a man. That was the first thing. Then he tried to provide wise counseling to somebody. And then they didn't listen to him. And then he's like, oh, he's like, I messed this up. But if you ever look at what God, God never brought up you killed a man. Do you get it? He was qualified to do the work despite what his past looked like. Amen. You're qualified to do the work despite what your past looked like. You must answer the call. You are to commission to go forward, but you don't know what you're going forward in because you haven't spent the time before God to figure out what you're doing. And you can be such as myself saying, Lord, I even want more responsibility than I have now. And because you're commissioned, God will make a way. Let's go further. Continue with the, with the Lord. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptian oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So what was Moses called to do? Deliver the children out of Egypt. What are you called to do? I don't know, because you never asked. You never asked. I'm a prophet, prophet to who? I'm a teacher, teacher to who? I'm a minister, minister to who? I'm an evangelist, evangelize where? I'm a servant, what kind of servant are you? If I'm on the back end of the house, what do I do? And the pastor can't hear that for you. You got to get it from God, yourself. It's your covenant, not mine's. I can just instill in you, you do this. Like, ah, them two people cancel people, you know? This husband and wife-to-be, they counsel people. They, they deal in health and wellness. Wow, they deal in health and wellness. Lord, why are you putting me in health and wellness? Why don't you go and ask more questions? Why are we health and wellness? We don't look healthy. We don't look well. We haven't mastered how our body's supposed to look like, so evidently it doesn't have nothing to do with your body. Look like it could be your spiritual condition, but have you asked God? Why do, I, why do I run to health and wellness? 
Why do I care about the conditions of people's mind in their setup and I don't like toxic behavior? You gotta ask that. What am I commissioned to do? So I walk forever and never stop to figure it out. Our grandparents died from it. I hope you don't. Go further. I have come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up, up from the land to a good and large land. But what I love, Moses got this in one setting. He got all this in one setting. So he was patient to sit there. We can't even sit for one setting. We're like my grandbaby where she's all over the place right now, okay? She's all over the place because she's never been conditioned to sit still. And some of us never been conditioned to sit still, so we're all over the place. We can't hear detailed information. That takes too much time, Lord. Um, God did not just then decide to give Israel the land of Canaan. It was the same land that he promised to the patriarch some 400 years previous to this. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. God want Moses and Israel to know his compassionate care for them. I want to make sure you have to see here. Moses had compassion for him. Moses' compassion matched God. And, 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 and what we are called to do, it matches God. The stuff that's on the inside matches God. And so you have to stop to see, how does that match God? Let's go a little bit further. To this point, Moses' experience emphasized the separation between himself and God. Moses could never burn without being consumed. Moses could not speak from the midst of a fire. Moses couldn't keep his sandals on in the divine presence. Moses was not the eternal God of the patriarchs. The separation between God and Moses was real, yet God would soon show his care and compassion to Moses and the people of Israel. God is separate, but not necessarily distant. God is separate, yet God cares and connects himself to our needs. So you guys got that. So even in that, even though God is separate in this situation, but their needs for the care, concerns for the people are matched. But Moses could never do what God does. So Moses had to surrender in order to come in alignment with what God wanted to do for uh, Israel. Moses had some ideas of saving them, but his ideas could never match God. And we have ideas for doing stuff, but our ideas can never match God. So we have to surrender in order for God to be able to bring forth what he's called for for us to do to us. You know, you're like, I already know what her problem is. Lord, I already know. I can see her problem from my own way. But you still got to surrender seeing their problem from a mile away. You know, Sally does this. Yeah, God knows Sally, but you can't help Sally in, because you see Sally 
You have to surrender how you see Sally to God so God can raise Sally up the right way. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people. In Exodus 3.8, God said, I have come down, come down to deliver them. In Exodus 3.10, God said, come now, therefore, and I will send you. If God said he would deliver them, why did he use or need Moses at all? This shows that God often uses and chooses to rely on human instruments. I would literally say at this point, when God chooses and rely on human implement, the first thing I said, use me. So when I read that, I'm saying, use me. Keep going. God couldn't do it by, uh, God could do it all by himself, but it is most often God's plan to work with and through people as we are workers together with him. 2 Corinthians 6, 1. Moses' answer and God's reply to that answer. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? This so, is where many of you are stuck. You're constantly focused on who you are, your inabilities, your lack. And God is not looking at that. Because if God is with you, none of these things that you're focusing in on exist in him. Amen. I repeat that. Who am I? Many times when we go before God and God gives us revelations of what we're supposed to do, we're always focusing in on what we look like. As if God doesn't see who we are, where we come from, as if God doesn't see where you come from, and what you're lacking, as if God doesn't see what you're lacking. Moses is in this particular situation making sure that God sees the frailties of his life. But God seen it even before Moses came to the mountain. God's seen it before you even answer the call. That's why he's choosing you. I'll say that again. That's why he's choosing you. Go ahead. Um, so, so he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Who am I? I love this, because you guys got that. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve me up on this mountain. Meaning, I'm going to bring you right back to this mountain, and you're not going to be alone this time. You're going to come, and, and others will be with you, and you're going to serve me here. So, which is so awesome, because God gives you the beginning and the end and the things that he says. But so many times we don't hear it because we're not listening. It's like God's literally saying, because I, I know he speaks to two of them and 
you. He's literally saying that he's already prepared a place for you. He already found your next place that you're gonna go to, but just because it's not readily in front of you, you're freaking out. But the funny part about it, y'all gotta stop off. Y'all haven't even figured out, y'all gotta stop somewhere. And if you gotta stop somewhere, God's looking to help wherever you're stopping at. Got it? But, but, but you're so focused in on your own that you don't lean in to say, look like I gotta stop. What do I gotta stop? What I gotta learn in my stop? Am I giving something out or I'm receiving something? All we see is our lack. But God knows your lack there, but he still wants to use you in the midst of your lack. Have you ever noticed you work more in your lack? <laughs> you don't work in your provision, you work more in your lack. And, and, and we don't want to work in our lacks. So we say, Lord, let this person call me and say they have a place for me right now. No, no, you may have to stop off. And wherever you're stopping off, what do I have in me that I have to share out? Or what do I need to get from wherever I'm going? We never see that. God, don't make mistakes in what he's doing. And, and, and he doesn't hold you hostage, because that's what we think. Well, you're holding me hostage, just give it to me. No, he doesn't hold you hostage. There's something you have to give forth. In the scripture, Lord says, I want what's in your hand, Moses. Moses had a staff. He used the staff in Moses' hand. Something you have in your hand that God wants to use, especially in your life. Because in our lack, we think we don't have anything, but in our lack, we have more than anything we can imagine. Wow. Wake up, huh? Let's keep going. <laughs> who am I? Forty years before, Moses thought he knew who he was. He was Isn't that me? I thought I knew who I was. He don't you think you know who you are? Who am I? <coughs> Billy, who are you? Encourager. <laughs> I'm a cheerleader. Um, Moses thought he knew who he was. He was a prince of Egypt and a Hebrew, God's chosen instrument to deliver Israel. You heard what Bradley been saying. Yep. Kings and your princes. Yeah, we are. But who are we? Right? We all got that, right? We're high priests. We got that. But who am I really? That's why we haven't been able to fully occupy the place because we don't know who we really are. And when you know who you are, you fit into the place in which you are in. But you got to seek him out to understand who you are. Um, after 40 years of chasing, chasing sheep around the desert, Moses didn't have the same self-sure confidence that he once had. I will certainly be with you. 
God's reply is intended to take Moses' focus oh off him himself. And Holy Spirit, let me let me let me just stop you because he said after 40 years of chasing sheep, he didn't have the full confidence. Meaning them sheep took him through a ringer. They were so disobedient that he never even really felt like he had a control over what he was required to do. And sometimes when we're in our jobs, we feel like that position that we our occupation, it has wrecked us. We don't even feel like we even qualified to do what, what we're doing. Are we so tired of it that it just makes us to say, I ain't even qualified to do nothing. And that's where many of us look at our qualification. And, and when God says, go and apply for this, we're like, Lord, we're not skilled. Because we can't see our skills. And he's saying, you're skilled to do this. And you're like, I don't have no skills to do that. Uh, uh, you, you look at every single job application and you're saying, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. Because you see what that job has done to you. And the last thing you want to get into is another place where you feel inadequate. But that's the place God wants you in is where you feel inadequate. Wow, you got the right qualifications. <laughs> Praise be to God. Um, back to God's reply is intended to take Moses' focus off of himself and on where it should be, on God. Therefore, God never answered the question, who am I? Instead, he reminded Moses, I will certainly be with you. Oh, so you guys know why you never got that question answered, right? Because he's literally said, I'm going to certainly be with you. Well, who am I? What am I called to do? Stop asking that question because that question's not going to be answered. Get it? You guys heard that and you missed it. So if you sin before God, stop saying, who am I? Start saying, what can I do for you? This was a great opportunity to deal with Moses' self-esteem problem, but God ignored the solution we usually use regarding this problem. Moses only had a self-esteem pro esteem problem when he was too confident in his own ability to deliver Israel. Who am I? This really wasn't the right question. Who is God was the proper question. God's identity was more important than who Moses was. When we know the God who is with us, we can step forward confidently to do his will. I will certainly be with you. After this, Moses has no right to protest further. From here, his objections move from a godly lack of self-reliance to ungodly lack of faith. Did you guys get that? And that's where we rest in, that ungodly lack of faith, because it's not self-reliance. It's where we're in that ungodly place of faith to whereby we're not really looking to God. We're looking within ourselves to basically do the things of God. Like I said, when you stop to really look at this, that's why the Lord said, bring this back to them and get them to see because the message on the line was so choppy. He wanted me to come back and bring it back because there was so much meat in this that you guys needed to get. Yes. And so when you begin to understand 
It's all about God. It's not about you. Remember, you lose sight of yourself. You become the instrument for God. May I? Oh, you want it as well? May I really have to interject because the Father's been talking to me and he said, tell them what you see because I really have to address something. Um, he showed me a field of green and there's a, a dirt pathway in this field. And then he digs deep in the dirt pathway and he says, is my trough not deep enough? We, we, we even ask, we say basically, oh, we, this is not deep enough yet for us. And we have not even stepped forward in the path. I asked, why do you use the word trough? And I looked it up and it's a place where people come to eat and drink from. And so I said, well, what do you want us to do? And he reminded me of, we have to be willing to take a step forward into the thing he's bringing us to, whether it's a revelation or an experience. And I say, why do we not do that? It's because we are judging whether or not this path is good enough for our desires. And I said, dang, can you give me another analogy for them? And he showed me a person with two coins in their pocket and they go to a store and they see something they're judging whether it's valuable enough for them to, for us to spend our last two coins on it. And it reminded me of the man who found a, a treasure in his field and sold his entire, or bought the entire field for that treasure. But yet we are in the place right now where we are looking to see if we would even spend all of our money for the kingdom. So in this who am I, rather who are you, we also have to be able to recognize that it could be self-desires that we are judging his path that he has for us because of a lack of knowledge. Moses, Moses, this was his earthly call. But then did he not reappear with Elijah, with Jesus' transfiguration? Do you think he's inactive in heaven right now? Just because he has passed on. Do you think our spirits who are seated with Christ are inactive in heaven right now, just sitting, waiting for us to meet them there? Let me jump in just a second. You can see the covenant still going forward. And so that's why it's so important that you understand the covenant that you're in, because the covenant is still speaking even now. So much we don't know. But if we would get in front of God and spend the quality time, so much you have the ability to gain insight on. We have to begin to pursue him differently instead of pursuing him for the things in which we desire. We're so busy, caught up in our occupation that we don't see that it's much greater than our occupation. Remember, our calling serves our occupation, not our occupation serves our calling. That's where we have it backwards. We're so busy trying to advance in our occupation that we don't embrace our calling. It is opposite, and you must understand that it is opposite. You know, on Friday, 
I was introduced to a gentleman, and I'm not going to say his name just yet, but uh, I'll let him say his own name. But he told us what he did for a living. He literally said that I work at this restaurant, and one the, the restaurant he works at is a prestige restaurant, okay? Everybody can go there and eat at the table, put it that way, because the money uh, that it costs for just a side order is not cheap. So when he said he worked at Ruth Chris, I was like, oh my God, Lord. But then as I began to look at the opportunity that his position would cause him to do for his occupation, you have all types of people who possess wealth or some kind that walks through that place. How great would it be to have a seat at the table because he literally said that I walk up to the table and say, hey, how is your meal? And if something's wrong, he would go out of the way to make sure that everything would be right. But think about how I, in my occupation, can truly allow my kingdom calling to advance. Oh my God. And it's in that place where I have the opportunity to say, you know, as simple as saying, if your order is not as it should be, let me work with you to enhance that. But I'm not just going to enhance the meal. I'm going to ensure that everything that you touch enhances. And so if he walked up to my table when he literally says, is everything okay? Because I'm sure that if something's not okay, I'll go about and make sure it's okay. But if he said something like that, you know, is everything okay? And then I say, oh no, this is not the corn, it's not to my liking. And if he turned around and said to me something like this, I assure you that I'm not only in the back making sure that the word um, that your food is, but I'm looking out for your spiritual insight as well, that you may digest this in everything that you digest, that you may be blessed in every aspect of your life, as you digest him as well. Something like that. Wouldn't that really cause the occupation and the calling to come together? Hmm. You want to tell her your name? So Eli, God calls Eli. And Eli is a servant. And Eli gets to put the best meal on people's uh, table. And if anybody asks Eli whether or not it's wrong, just to hear the name alone makes you say, Eli? So it calls for you to stop and pay attention to the name. Because you know how most people will see the name on the shirt and say, oh, who's that? Oh, his name is Eli. 
God's presence is there. So every time he walks through the table, God's presence is there. So if you walked in your occupation and you walked in your call, everybody that he touched would be blessed. So it would never be about the food. It would be about the presence of God showing up every time he went to a table. So since we're talking about um, our call and knowing um, what we're supposed to be doing, Holy Spirit was showing me the question that was up. Billy, you want to scroll back just a little bit? This is the wrong question. Uh, who am I? Man, so Holy Spirit gave me a really cool nugget into this. He said, if you understood who was talking to you, which God had, you would understand who he was talking to. In other, in other words, if you understood which Godhead, which personality, which name was speaking to you, you would understand who you were, the receiver of who you were speaking to, and that would start to divulge a little bit more into who you are and your call. He says the same thing to the woman at the well. If you understand who is talking to you, you would ask him even more. So you got to look at that from a spiritual perspective. He's literally spoke to the woman at the well as she began to question him. She went forth to give cups of water to everyone in her community. Exactly. Because she gained understanding as he was talking to her. Keep going. That's why you were supposed to say that. <laughs> uh, when, I think this is, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. As Moses tended his flock in the wilderness, it probably seemed un totally unlikely that he would lead all three millions of his people to the same mountain. But God promised that this would be so. The sign that God had truly sent Moses may not have been the coming to Mount Sinai, which did not happen for many, many months. The sign probably referred back, backwards to the sign of the burning bush and the encounter with God there. Re revelation of God's name to Moses. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I, came, I, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers have sent me to you, they may, they, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Pay attention to the things that's being read from here. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So he's literally saying, who do I tell the people you are? How do they know that I'm being sent by you? What name will they identify you as? Get it? What name do they identify you as? And they, and they say to me, what is his name? And what, uh, what shall I say to them? Rightfully. Moses sensed he needed credentials before the people of Israel. 
Before, he thought he had the credentials because he was a prince of Egypt. Forty years of tending sheep took away his sense of self-reliance. When God revealed himself to men in, in the days of the patriarch, it was often associated with a newly revealed name of, or title for God. Abraham, in the encounter with Melchizedek, called on God Most High, Genesis 14:22. Abraham later encountered Almighty God, Genesis 17, 1. Abraham came to know the Lord as everlasting God, Genesis 21, 33. And the Lord will provide, Genesis 22:14. Hagar encountered, you are the God who sees, Genesis 16, 13. Jacob met El Elohe Israel, Genesis 33, 20, 20, and El Bethel, Genesis 35, 7. But even as he's reading this, you can feel the anointing on what he's reading. So the different names you can clearly see, but when you really look at what Abraham encountered him as, it's like he got to see the fullness of his maker. It's not just bits and pieces of them, and some of us only have bits and pieces, so it, it makes you stop to say, I want to encounter the fullness of who you are and not bits and pieces. I want to know what you called me into, what name that you have written over me right now what you have called me into, but better yet, I want to know your full identity. It makes you stop to think, right? But many of us only know is that he is the one that sacrificed his life for us. Because we're always putting him on the cross. And the way we put him on this cross, because you think that all he wants to do is talk about the things you fall short in. Oh, Lord, you just redeemed me again. Because we only know him as the redeemer. Get me out of this. Get me out of that. He's more than get me out of this. Get me out of that. You see it, right? Are you in that position to whereby, Lord, I sinned again, help me. He knows you're going to sin. Get up, repent, move on. Stop being in that place where you're constantly looking for God to be a redeemer. He's more than just a redeemer. Well, it makes you think. That's why I said, when you read the scripture, you stop and you really, really see much more. That's why I needed to slow it down so you could see it. So if Moses were to come to the elders of Israel as a representative of God, it would be logical for them to wonder, by what name did he reveal himself to you? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. It might seem nonsensical to refer to oneself with the phrase, I am who I am. Yet it reveals something important about God, that he has no equal. There is no equi equivalent for God but God. 
if you place God on the side, on one side of your symbol of equation, the equal sign, there is nothing to put on the other but himself. You guys get that? Like we put something on one side to equal this. One plus one equals two. Oh, I put the wife on the other side. They're one, so they equal one another. Okay? So he's literally saying you can't put him on the other side of anything other than himself. I went, the way that song was created, I went to a church and I heard them call out his name and I said, Everett, I want a song that truly, truly speaks to his name and that's what Everett came back with. Uh, this is not just about God's many names, but ours. Yeah, so um, oftentimes it's easy just to hear son, daughter, but if we can let down those walls of what we, or this filter that we try and hear from, he's called me many, many things. And by the way in which he also calls me is what he's, the current realm experience I will be partaking, taking in. So we also have many, many names, and he will put his name on us. Meaning that you take on his name, too. That you become Elohim. Get it? Look, we have to stop diminishing, sorry. We have to stop diminishing the reality of who we really are. We really do. Uh, the Father's been sitting here telling me take them to a new place, but honestly, I just don't know how yet. So, uh, pray for me. But this is, like, we have to stop diminishing the reality of who we are, because each name we have gives us, um, how do I say, each name that we have gives us different boundaries and different realms. It's as if we, we are multi-locational, multi-dimensional beings because we exist in his existence together in union, and so thereby we are presently authoritative over many different realms and realities. So each of our names causes us to have a sim a particular authority in a particular place. It's as if that name fashions us in like a unique building structure. Make sense? I probably can explain it in a different, look at the piano. You see the place that you're sitting, first you see the ground level, the floor. Then you see the stool that you can sit on. Then you see the next part where the piano keys is, and then you see the next part, which is the top part of it. And the Lord says, for as you are in me, you're suspending up and down all the time. You're going up and down, up and down. So different dimensions you're going up and down in. So it's not like you're always in the same place in the spirit realm. So you're becoming something different as you're going up and down these levels. 
And, and the Lord was literally showing me my grandbaby. If she was in the room, I would have told Cinnamon, bounce her up and down. She would have been like, wee, 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 you know, as she's going up and down these levels because she's experiencing many different facets of him, and she's on these different levels. So she's going to scream with excitement. And when you really tap in, you will have excitement in these levels. Told you when you slow it down, you see it differently. The closest we come to an equivalent is to say, God is love. First John 4, 8, 4, and 16. Yet that is not exactly an equivalent because you can turn it around and say, Love is God. God is love, but he, but he is also greater than love. This name, I am who I am, is connected with the name Yahweh. This pithy clause is clearly a reference to the name Yahweh. Probably Yahweh is regarded as the sh a shortening of the whole phrase and a running together of the cl clause into one word. Yahweh was not a new name nor an unknown name. It appears more than 160 times in the book of Genesis. Moses' mother's name was Jochebed, meaning Yahweh is my glory. Moses and Israel knew the name Yahweh. God did not give Moses a previously unknown name of God, but the name they had known before. God called them back to the faith of the patriarchs, not to something new. In the English-speaking world, for a time, people pronounced Yahweh as Jehovah. The pious Jews of later years did not want to pronounce the name of God out of reverence, so they left the vowels out of his name and simply said the word Lord Adonai instead. If the vowel of the word Adonai are put over the consonants for Yahweh, you can get the name Jehovah. All this came, much, uh, came about much later in the days of the Bible. The name was pronounced Yahweh or Yahweh. I am has sent me to you. God told Moses his name was I am because God simply is. There was never a time when he did not exist or a time when he will cease to exist. The name I am has within it the idea that God is completely independent, that he relies on nothing for life or existence. Isaiah 40, 28, 29, John 5, 26. Theologians sometimes call this quality it means that God does not need anybody or anything. Life is in himself. It is also connected with the idea that God is eternal and unchanging. Strictly speaking, there is no past or future tense in the divine vocabulary. When God appears to employ them, it is by way of accommodation to our limited horizon. 
Also, inherent in the idea behind the name I am is the sense that God is the becoming one. God becomes whatever is lacking in our time of need. The name I am invites us to fill in the blank to meet our need. When we are in the in darkness, Jesus says, I am the light. When we are hungry, he says, I am the bread of life. When we are defenseless, he says, I am the good shepherd. God is the becoming one, becoming what we need. Now you guys see that. That's why the different names are important, because he becomes what you are in need of. And so many times we put one blanket over him, but we have to begin to understand who he really is. There's times where I've looked back in my life and I can truly see, you know, El Shaddai. I can see a host of different names and these names is what I truly see him as who he is. In this, God's name is both an announcement and an introduction. It announces God's presence and invites any interested to know him by experience, to taste and see that the Lord is good. I am. This is a divine title that Jesus took upon himself often, clearly identifying himself with the voice from the burning bush. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John 8, 24. And Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing for myself, nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. John 8, 28. Uh, Jesus said to them, most you guys understand when he says, when you lift up uh, the Son of Man, that you will know that I am. What he's literally saying that the people end up in return, putting them on the cross and literally lifting them up. And everything that transpired as a result of them seeking to destroy him really turned them to see that what they were seeking to destroy was their Lord. You have to understand the series of events that transpired um, when the death of Jesus occurred, which constantly caused them to revisit, and it instantly caused them to be convicted. Imagine loved ones running wild, walking through the streets because of their Lord being crucified and setting them free. He said, when you have lifted me up, you will know. And they'd seen the earthquakes and the series of events. And I want to make sure that these series of events didn't do one day. It went on for a little while. And the people were truly saying, like, oh, my God, we killed the Savior. That's why so many people turned to God in that timing. Because they could see that they were blinded and they were able to understand who they crucified. So you have to stop 
Because a lot of times when we hear scripture, we don't stop and say, what did that really mean? What does he really say? Why is that in here? We got to get out of running through word and slow down to absorb it. Because he speaks to you wherever you're at, if you're reading. Let's go a little bit further. Uh, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I said to you, before Abraham was, I am. John 8, 58. Now I tell you before it comes, then, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am. John 13, 19. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with, him, with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. John 18, 4 to 6. Um, Exodus 3, 15 to 18. God tells Moses what to say to the elders of Israel. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob appeared to me saying I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt I have said I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey then they will heed your voice and you shall come you and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to our God. I need you guys to see that as he's giving him instructions, it's already an active word. Do you not see it? What should I say? What should I do? He's telling him what should he do. So he's already telling him what he should say. So all he's doing is repeating the words when he gets in front of them. But that word is already in motion. You guys get that, right? The word as he's telling Moses what he should do was already in motion. So he's telling him, I want you to go and say this to them. That word as Moses has taken it in is already in motion because God already spoke concerning what he was going to do. And because he already spoke concerning what he was do, all he's doing is relaying that to the people. But it's already an active word. It's already taking root. It's already changing. It's already doing what it's supposed to. 
The problem is we look for evidence. We look for signs and wonders beforehand. And so that's why we don't see the word moving. It's just like as I was sitting here, he literally said to me, I want you to go to work and I want you to stand in front of this building and I want you to speak to this building that you work in and I want you to say the things that I readily place on your heart to say. Now in my mind, I would go in there and say the go and stand outside and speak the word, but then I'm gonna walk in to see if the words are going to be working. I'm going to say the words, but I'm gonna trust that what I'm speaking is already doing. When he said it to me in this setting to go and speak, then it's already an active word and it's already performing itself. How do I know? Because God can't lie. The problem is our mind tells us something else. And we're trying to analyze things that that's not our job. We move into occupation instead of moving into our position of a servant. We need to get out of, oh, how do I help him do something? He does it on his own. He said in the beginning of this, he didn't need Moses. I even, as I was sitting here listening to this message, and I literally was saying, Lord, I know that you've got some powerful people in this house. And these people are so powerful that they don't even see themselves. And then I stopped, because I always look at these three sisters. And, and as I began to look at these three sisters, I said, being so powerful, being so great, Lord, I just don't get what I'm looking at with them. He said they don't know how to deal with each other. He said they have an expectation that each other should flow the way they believe they should flow. That's where the problem lies. And so they're trying to change what I created them to be. And so they're moved by the words in which each person speaks, so therefore they're caught up in their opinions of each other. And they haven't come to me to say, how do I handle someone as such that I may fulfill my calling and occupation? Hopefully you guys got that. You guys got that, right? You guys got that, right? Because it's really something on the inside of you that you're dealing with that speaks to your calling and speak to your occupation. Remember, people in our house are used to raise us. Scripture clearly says it. Where are you trained? You're trained in your own home. You're not trained on the streets because if you train on the streets, you ain't gonna talk to them people again. So where's your training ground? Your own home. So you want something different? You gotta look at what's in your home that you need to get. Again, a lot of times we're so caught up in our occupation, we don't see the call, so we don't know that that call is saying, I'm gonna teach you how to handle people like this who's difficult, because where I'm gonna place you, you're gonna run into people like your sisters. And you're not going to change them, but you're going to learn how to work with them. 
and in that place, you're going to find your voice. And you're going to find out how to use your voice in challenging circumstances. This is all that Moses is talking about. And you're going to learn how to walk in humility. Because if you're that person that overpowers everything, you're going to learn how to be submissive. Because you know when somebody says to you, lower your voice, you get louder. You're going to learn how to move. Guys, we fail. The church and your home is your training ground. Sometimes we think the streets is our training ground. That's not your training ground half of the time. Because you will totally dismiss them and you'll never see them again. But you can't dismiss family. Sometimes you can dismiss home, churches. That's why people church hop. But you still run into the same people when you get to the next church. <laughs> and he's like, you ain't learned your lesson. Let's flip up uh, a little bit further. Up. Mm-hmm. Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, after 400 years in Egypt, Moses had the job of announcing that now was the time for the children of Israel to go back to Canaan and to take the land God promised to their fathers. This was probably totally contrary to what the elders and people Israel desired. In 400 years, you set down roots. They probably had no desire to return to the promised land. All they wanted was to be made more comfortable in Egypt. The first word had to come to the people of God. Exodus 3.16 And then to world. Exodus 3.18 Often God will not speak to the wider world until he speaks to his people and he has their attention. Mm. Did you guys get that? You guys got that, right? Yes. What'd you get? It's working on us. What'd you hear? What'd you get? What'd you hear? Okay. But, but he said about speaking to the people. What part did you miss on that one? Read that again, Billy. This word has to come to the people of God and to the world. Often God will not speak to the wider world until he speaks to the, his people and he has their attention. So he got to talk to you first. <laughs> He's waiting on talk. He wants to talk to you. And if you ain't in position, who he's talking to? He ain't talking to nobody, because you got, you're called to do that. So you've got a group of people that you're called to that he can't get you to because he ain't talking to you because you ain't talking to him. So everybody's standing still. So in this particular situation, the Israelites are standing still. They want to be delivered, but they can't get to the place because the one who's commissioned to do the job is not ready. Don't you get it? You're commissioned to do the job, but you ain't ready.
in his way. And we say, oh, I'm waiting on God. No, he's waiting on you. This is my name forever. God here referred to the name just previously mentioned in the same verse, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, forever, emphasize the eternal faithfulness of God to his covenant. Then they will heed your voice. This was a precious promise to Moses 40 years before when it seemed that he had everything going for him. The people of Israel rejected him as a deliverer for the nation. Surely he must be wondering why they would listen to him now when it seemed he had nothing going for him. But Moses had God going for him now. They would indeed listen to Moses' message. To the king of Egypt, you shall say to him, let us go three days' journey into the wilderness. God presented the small request to Pharaoh first so that the request would be as appealing and as easy to accept as possible. He did this so Pharaoh would have no excuse at all for refusing God and hardening his heart. God tells Moses how it will go with the Egyptians. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of, Egypt, of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbors, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughter. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. So the Lord is literally showing him, not only is it that I'm going to deliver them, but I'm going to make sure that they're well taken care of. And so he literally told them up front that they would return to this particular mountain. Now he's taking the details much further. And he said, not only is it that you're going to return to the mountain, but this is what I'm going to give the people as they come out of the place in which they've been in bondage for. So they're not only coming out, but they're coming out with possessions. And so you have to understand the message that Moses has for the people. It is great value. And so sometimes the messages that we have, it's, it's diminished because we're not willing to sit still. We can't even stay in church for an hour and a half. We become impatient. Lord, I don't want you to talk this long. Let me come back to you and you can speak to me another day. The Lord even says, even in this message, I needed you to see this because I need you to operate from a place of integrity with me. I need you to no longer be in that place where you're only looking at things with one eye open. But I really want you to understand the call and the relationship that you have with me. I need you to not only look at the call and relationship, but to understand in details the things that I'm saying to you.
And he's literally saying, I want you to carve out some time because that's all we went over. And I want you to spend some quality time with me to understand what I'm saying to you. I want you to know the facet of which I exist in you and what I am calling you to do. I want you to understand your occupation, but I really want you to understand your call in the occupation. He says, I no longer want you to peek into the window. I want you to come fully into the place that I am residing and to spend some quality time with me that you may understand what I'm calling you into. He said, this is a covenant relationship. I don't want you to covet the things that I have for you, but I want you to covet the relationship you have with me. He says, I don't want you running after gifts and calls. I want you to run after me. And he says, and I want you to understand, if I haven't moved in an area of your life, understand there's a reason behind it. And something opposes a challenge on the inside of you and on the inside of others in your family line, gain understanding of what I'm trying to put in you. And then he says to me to say to you, it is not always the person. It is what I'm trying to give to you. And if you can understand what I'm trying to do in you, then you will understand the things that are going on around you. He literally says that family is not your problem. Family is a place where you are trained. He said, thank me for training you. Thank you, Lord. I'll never forget one time, and I'm ending this message. I'll never forget one time when I was looking at sentiment. I said, Lord, when I get home, I'm going to slap her left and right. And he said, slap yourself. And then I said, slap myself. He said, because she is you. So the bad behavior you're seeing in her is really you. And he said, so if I slap you, you have the right to slap her. And so what he was literally saying, I need you to rise up and learn how to deal with her in the place she's in. Because I'm dealing with you that way. So how I've been patient with you, I need you to be patient with her. And I was like, oh. And I said, you sure I can't hit her one time? And he said, no. He says, I don't even want you to hit her with words. He said, because I'm teaching you how not to be moved by everything she does.
And then when I fast forward, the Holy Spirit just popped something in my mind. And he said, yes, I know you have an issue with her cleaning up. He said, but she'll never clean up the way you clean up. He said, she did not have a mother like you to hold her accountable at all times. He said, you were out working. And then I said to him, but my mother was out working too. He said, look at the difference. If she walked in the house and the house wasn't clean, she would kick all of you out. He said, look what you've done. Because you were kicked out, you won't kick her out. Because you thought that was a harsh way of looking at things. He said, so you have softened your blow because it was the right thing to do. He said, but you've learned that discipline because that discipline now works with you. He said, but what for her doesn't work for you and stop trying to give her the same thing. Hopefully you guys got what I just said. What I'm literally trying to get you guys to do is you need to start having conversations with God. Mm -hmm. Bradley's talking to God every second, every minute of the time while he's in service. As the message going forward, he's looking at himself, looking at what God has to say about it, and literally saying, how do I get them to get to what, where I'm at? I'm saying the same thing. And he says, I need them to start listening. You hear words, but you're not listening. You hear what God is saying, but you're not taking in what he's saying. You're literally putting the blanket over everything, and you're putting a time clock on it. And the Lord says, this year is my time. I wanted to share, I was in the back of the church, uh, standing where Paul usually would, and, and just praying, and um, to jump off what Pastor just said, and what she was saying about tra your training comes here, not in the streets, or not in, in the real world. I was looking at this gentleman who was peering creepily in through the, the window, and I was like, all right, Lord, I don't want you know any spirit of distraction to come in, and he goes, I'm not worried about that person. He goes, I'm worried about those who are here, because those who are here, they're feeding, they're reaping what has been sown, and there, as Pastor said, training. And then he showed me a vision as I was walking, watching these people walk by. He says, what they will receive here when they listen to me, when they see what's going forth, will literally floor those outside these walls to fall before the Lord God. And it will be as simple as speaking the words that they've learned, the truth that's been put inside them. Yeah, so when God takes the time to really, really give you a message, because he's really taking the time to try to get you to get something, he has a purpose behind what he's trying to do. So if he said, hey, you serve this on Friday, and I need you to come back and, 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 and slowly give this to them, he's literally saying, I'm about to do something with it. But... He needs me to slow it down so that you can properly chew it. Mm -hmm. On Friday, you were chewing it, 
but you couldn't digest it. So he literally says, I want you to bring it back to them and I want you to slow it down. So I got a little bit more. I'm going to share the same similar message. I'm going to take you into the complaints next week. But I really need you guys to really hear what he's saying and really begin to do something with the word. You're still in your fast. I know you're right there. You're still in your fast. Spend some quality time before him. Talk to him. Spend some time in worship. Talk to him. He knows that you can't spend every second, every minute like Moses, but you're going to have to carve out something to hear. I'm brought back to what um, the father was behind me or is and the beginning of service he said will they prepare a place for me and he reminded me of in Kings this is what this is representing and receiving his word and being able to actually eat his word is do we actually have a place for his word in us in Kings when he was, when they were building the temple, everything had to be in the exact right place before the presence of God could truly sit in that place. And when it did, the priests themselves could not stay in it because it was so strong, because they still had self. If there is no self, then you can stand in that place. For us, what he showed me in our temples we hold up our desired items and we sit there and say, bless this first. We have our desires in our temple and we are holding it up. And so in that, with these things, and a misunderstanding of what we think we need to have, we are preventing the ability to let his word rest on the inside of us. And so I asked him, what do we do? He actually said, Ask of me and I will tell you what you truly desire. But we need these other desires. We need to get them out of our temple. And in closing, I'll say one thing that really just came to my attention. We have such an awesome God that we serve. And, and, and he is so awesome. But the Lord reminded me about the first Adam and Eve. And if you can really go back, when they were kicked out of the garden, how many times they went back trying to get back in because they knew how difficult, how hard it was. And, and, and you can see them constantly going back trying to get back into a place that they were literally asked to vacate. And, and, and I can see they're plowing the land. Remember, everything was given to them. They didn't have to do no work. And now they're in this place that they got to work. And they see stones, they see dirt. And, and, and before, they didn't care about dirt being on them and all of this stuff because got literally washed and clean and kept them. And now they're fending for themselves in this particular place. I'm saying that's for a reason. And 
they go back constantly trying to see if they can get in. And how do you know they went back to try to get in? Because it says in Genesis, they had to put something to bar and to keep them from going. So you can see that they got, they probably tried to sneak in a couple of times and they was recognized for who they were because they wasn't in the right garments. And then God had to literally shield and then eventually that part of heaven vanished. He said, but I'm giving you access to come in and to move freely in me. He said, but where I have given you access to come in and to move freely, you choose not to take your place. He said, you operate as if you've been barred. I need you to operate as I have invited you into this place. And he literally shows me you having an invitation to come in. He shows me like in the world there's bouncers at the door that don't let certain people come in. He says, I don't have a bouncer standing there. You have free access to come in and to spend time with me. He said, you have not been barred out. And so in this particular place, it's an invitation for you to come in daily. Come in, spend time, understand, ask questions. Just like I asked, why are these sisters are this? You can hear that, sisters. Why do I always have an issue with this one? Why does this one always jump in? What the heck is this that I'm really looking at? What is it that you're really trying to get to me? Don't look at them. What is, I'm, is it that I'm lacking? What is it that's in me that I'm carrying that you're trying to get out of me? And then as you look for your next place, Lord, is there a stopover for me? And why do I have to go to the stopover? What is it that I'm carrying? What is it that I got to give out? Or what is it that I have to take in? And how long is my stopover going to be? Because sometimes it depends on our stubbornness. And if you're required to speak to an organization, open your mouth and stand and speak change. Stop looking for the change to come forward ahead of time. Hear what God is trying to get you to see. He's extended an invitation and he's trying to get us to come into a place. When I started off this particular message, when I started in Bible study, he said to me to say to you guys, I've been extending this invitation, but I don't see any of you coming in. It's like Bradley's been calling, come up higher, come on into the place, come into the next realm of the atmosphere, come into the place, come and stand, dwell in the heavens. Come and hear what heaven has to say, come to understand the things that heaven is speaking to us. 
We can't hear heaven because we're so busy looking at our occupation and we're so busy asking God to bless our occupation that we don't see that our call is more important. The blessings is in your call. It enhances your occupation. Not the opposite way. And you say, well, I'm retired. You're never retired in God. Just in case. Okay? So in closing this message, Father God, even right now, I just thank you for the word. I thank you for uh, the opportunity to revisit your word and to really begin to sync up in your people what you have called them to, to really look at. I thank you for the move of the spirit and I thank you for your presence. But most of all, Lord, I thank you for the elevation that you continue to bring forth in this house, that we may not see things according to the world, but we see things according to what you have divinely called forth from the beginning. Lord, I ask that your blessings continue to be upon your people and that they continue to go through this fast and really begin to seek you out in a way like never before. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done thus far and the things that you are about to do in their lives. And I thank you because you are else die to me. And I know that you are. I remember when I used to struggle with I am and I would always say, why do you say I am that I am? But I understand. For you are all things to us. And I thank you, even now, for all the works that you are doing in us. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And I ask that your people be blessed. And they continue to look at this word and grow in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of you. Amen. Amen. And amen. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.